Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. And today we're going to be talking with Leah King, who's the executive director of Build Carolina. And it's this classic story of, of education, in this case, technical um, skill education uh, meets the business world and is changing lives. And Leah's here to tell us about how that got started and what they're doing now. Check it out. Well, Leah, thanks for uh, being here today on Footnotes. We've got Leah King. You're the executive director at Build Carolina. And uh, you came down from Greenville for this, so thank you for doing that. Um, Leah, why don't we start where most people normally start, sort of at, at the beginning. You know, you, you are like a lot of people, you transplanted to South Carolina. You know, something kind of brought you here. And then you had to figure out what you were going to do and, and, you know, make mortgage payments and things like that. So how did you get a start there at, at Build Carolina? Or did it start as Build Carolina? Yeah, no, it didn't. Not right when I got to South Carolina. So my husband moved here first in 2014. Okay. Um, we were living in Charlotte and came for his job. And I had a great job and was, you know, trying to figure out what would be the right fit for me in Greenville. And not really knowing a lot about South Carolina, I took my time to do some research and figure out where I wanted to land. My um, career and sort of my training was all in public relations, communications, marketing. I came across this very cool job description for a director of communications at a company called The Iron Yard. It was a code school. I didn't really know what that was, but I definitely knew how to be a director of communications. So went and met with the team and just felt like this was the right place for me. Um, really loved the people that were there. And so that's really what finally drew me, you know, down 85 and to Greenville full time was um, this position with the Iron Yard. And um, that was 2015. Okay. Well, so now that, that it's Build Carolina and I think it's, you know, had some, some you know, evolution to, to get there. I know you and I yeah. were talking before this about some intersections with the Department of Commerce. Um, talk a little bit about the, how the Department of Commerce got interested in what you guys were doing there. Because again, it, yeah. you had a code school yes. that, that sort of you changed the name and it became that. And you were teaching people, of course, how to code, but also you had kind of a, a program maybe before that for people to even explore and to learn more about just the industry and the possibilities. Yeah. What drew the Department of Commerce into that? Yeah. So it was right about that same time, maybe 2016, the Department of Commerce was seeing this um, need for talent in specifically kind of high tech. Um, at the time, there was there was this new Office of Innovation talking to folks around the state about what they needed for workforce and just to support kind of this industry. Um, so they had started a pilot program in Greenville called SC Codes. Um, and it was for kind of those folks who were just exploring what coding is about Meanwhile, we were at the Iron Yard, um, which was really focused on career changers and people who knew that this is what they wanted to do okay. and helping them really accelerate learning and going into this field. Um, so what the story, the way the story goes is at the Iron Yard, it was headquartered in South Carolina. It grew really quickly. Um, when I joined the company, it was probably 10 campuses, including Charleston, Columbia, Greenville, and was quickly going, growing to 25 campuses. Mm -hmm. um, in 2017, that company closed, and we realized that um, a lot of the energy and the community around the programming kind of world in South Carolina had been kind of centered on the Iron Yard. 
Now with this company closing and, and with kind of that base for that community going away, there was a little bit of a void in South Carolina for, for programmers and for people interested in going into programming. And I'll tell you this as the communications person, I was not, I'm not a programmer. I was not teaching, you know, folks how to code. But the thing I was doing was I was talking to people and I was telling their stories about and hearing about why did you decide to make this huge career shift? Why did you decide to stop what you were doing and take this leap of faith and take this risk on yourself and completely change into something new? And having done that for a couple of years and just hearing these stories over and over about this seemingly small program but how it was changing people's lives, it it bothered me, you know, to think like, wait, so we're just not going to have this option anymore for people in Greenville and South Carolina? What what were, I mean, what were you hearing in those stories? What Were there sort of threads that you heard throughout or was each one unique? Or t- tell us a little more about yeah. what you were hearing. I mean, certainly each one was unique, but there were some commonalities, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, a lot of people who would either get to a place in their lives where they were wanting to kind of settle down, get married, have a family, or maybe they had kids and realized that some, like wherever I am in my career, there's a ceiling, there's something, I'm not gonna be able to grow any further, or I really don't enjoy what I'm doing. And this moment of sort of having a, a reason to look at, look at your life and determine, is this really, do I just wanna keep surviving or do I want to really find what makes me, what will make me thrive? Um, so you'd see a lot of people in their 30s kind of in that moment. There were also a lot of people who had experienced some kind of change, some okay. kind of a death in the family or a birth or something that had sort of triggered in them a reason to you know, step back and think about, is this what I really want to be doing? And if not, how can I change that? So what do you what do you think was attractive about what was going on at, with SC codes and just this level? I mean, what can you pinpoint or even yeah. just try to, you know, get close to what was drawing them in of people yeah. that were experiencing that level of change in their life or maybe that level of just introspection of like, am I where I want to be? Can I get there where I am or do I need to shift, you know, paths? I mean, what Yeah. what drew them into that? Yeah. There's a number of answers to that, of course, but I think what we were seeing, again, this is sort of 2016, 2017, um, at the Iron Yard, we had seen a lot of these stories of, I'm just not happy where I am, and this is sort of maybe an interest I have or something that I've touched on either at work or as a hobby, and it, it's really something I enjoy doing. I wanna pursue that further. Um, with software development, with programming. With SC Codes in its pilot program, what what Commerce was funding, um, what they were seeing is this is sort of a a free entree into into this world, giving people a little bit of a free opportunity to talk to professional programmers and see, is this something that I might actually want to do? So I think that there were probably our two main attractions to, to programming. So I guess if we think about it, 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 you know, you're seeing what you're seeing on on sort of the people side of things who are coming into these programs or or exploring these programs or even possibilities because of what they've got going on on their side. Yeah. 
But certainly there's a business case here where the private sector or maybe even the public sector has a need for people with these skills. Right. What was the, I mean, what were they, what were you hearing from the sort of the job provider side of things that, that was kind of matching up with kind of this desire on the, on the individual side? What, yeah. what was that like? Yeah, that really started to happen more for me personally when the Iron Yard closed. So 2017, the Iron Yard closed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, here's here's me. I've heard these great stories. I believe in this mission. I believe in what this, this program or type of program can do. Meanwhile, um, on the business side, what we're hearing is this, this school is closing, this company is closing, but our needs have not changed. Our tech companies are still growing. Tech as an industry in South Carolina is still growing. We still don't have enough people going into training programs or into any pathway that's helping them kind of prepare for this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those of us who worked there, we kind of are all taking the step back, figuring out what what am I going to do next? You know, our company's closing. Um, where where will we land as well? And hearing this business case from our community, from from our um, tech companies specifically, and then seeing what was happening, that's really where this spark idea for Build Carolina came from. So a couple of the founders from the Iron Yard um, helped start this nonprofit as a home for potential other future kind of training, workforce training in tech. Sure. That's, that's where that all came from. And I am just the person that said, you know, I've seen these people for years take take a risk on themselves. Do I want to personally continue on my path and go do the things that I know how to do? Go get another job in communications, doing something else? Or do I want to take a risk and try something um, that I believe in, but maybe, you know, I've never run a nonprofit before? Um, do I want to continue to learn how to do some things that I don't know how to do? And even though it's scary, I think that kind of hearing those stories over a couple of years at the Iron Yard, that kind of inspired me to, to take that risk myself and to say, I believe so much in this mission and I've seen it do so much good. I want to help figure out how to keep that going in, in South Carolina. Let's just do it in a nonprofit setting. So Build Carolina, Carolina was born from that. Yeah. And I'm going to stop there. Okay. Um, so... You, you're providing this education opportunity for people and, and even kind of a, an opportunity before that, because there's there's the 12-week program that someone can go through where they, they learn those skills right. um, with sort of a, a goal of being employed or using those skills to find employment to, to apply those skills. Right. But even before that, there's a program for people that are sort of generally interested or curious right. and want to learn more about that. And I think that's where you're saying, you know, commerce came in to kind of more top of the funnel and yeah. then the, the school is kind of in the, in the middle. But um, let's talk about something else we we talked about and that's uh, Develop Carolina, which yes. I guess is, is, is another um, thing. It's it's not a brand, but it, it's yeah. it's another it's another opportunity because you and I had a good, good conversation about um, sort of the way it used to be, if you will, especially in large companies with, with training programs right. where it was sort of a, a regular thing for, if you were a Fortune 500 company, you know, you would take new college graduates, for instance, you would put them into some type of kindergarten program, if you will, for your business. And knowing that they're not gonna be productive for kind of a while, you know, mm -hmm. up to a year in some cases. Um, 
you know, we had a couple of recessions that kind of did those things in because they're expensive yes. programs to run. I mean, Very. there's those hard dollar cost mm -hmm. to training. So then Develop Carolina comes in um, as kind of a way to maybe fill some of those gaps in the yeah. tech world. Um, tell us, tell us a little more about that. Yeah, I think, you know, being in the the world of tech education and particularly non-traditional education for the past few years, the more we would talk to employers, it's kind of like the more layers would get peeled back as we were curious and trying to ask questions about, you know, this program is working really well to answer this one need. Mm -hmm. Why are people not going into STEM or into tech? Why are um, companies finding it so hard to find talent in software development and in other high-tech jobs? Like, why is this an issue right now? And because of those kind of questions just over and over through the years, we discovered there are not enough of these kind of entry-level points into our ecosystem. Mm. There's a lot of places, if you think about this as a tech ecosystem, there's so many entry points. You can you can go to a STEM-focused school and sure. learn about it that way. You can find someone who you know who can introduce, you know, young people to this field. Um, in South Carolina, there are not as many of those entry points as we would like to see. Code school is one, but typically that that meets people where they already know they want to do software development. So how do we introduce this concept to more people and then post-code school or post-education, how do we make that jump easier for companies and for the people who want to get into these companies? So yeah, Develop Carolina is really just, it was an idea that we had to take some of that burden off of the companies that were saying, we believe in, you know, supporting our tech talent ecosystem. We want to be, you know, open to this. We want to help and be part of this solution because we need, we need that talent. Um, but we can't, you know, afford to take a senior developer and put them full time with a, a mentee and have them spending hours and hours helping someone get skilled up. So Develop Carolina is a six month shorter term program that takes a lot of that burden off of the company. And it's a continuing ed program, kind of takes the form of a kind of co-op or work study where students who have already completed some level of education. They've either got a degree, a certificate, some level of education around programming. Okay. That they then get to embed with a company who's doing real work in South Carolina. And the other half of the time, they're kind of with a cohort of others like them who are <clears throat> continuing to learn, who are continuing to learn about what is this larger picture of software development, of building a product or building a service? What are companies dealing with? How do I think about clients? How do I think about you know every part of this puzzle, not just how to code, if that makes sense? What do you think are the advantages? So if, if sort of in, in days before, you know, a, a company might handle that burden, mm -hmm. now a lot of them are not. Mm -hmm. And so you've got this thing, uh, Develop Carolina, that, yes. that, is, that has stepped into that. What do you think are some advantages of doing it in that maybe decentralized way that Develop Carolina is doing it as opposed to the other way where you were just kind of one company had their people and that was it? Yeah. 
What I've found is there is this push and pull when you when you ask the question of like whose responsibility is it <laughs> to make sure that we have a trained workforce, make sure we have people who can help the businesses that we're so excited about, that we're supporting in our state, in our communities, grow. Um, and there are differences of opinion. You know, that's the responsibility of education. That's responsibility of the companies themselves. Um, and I think what we're really working toward is let's pilot a few different programs, a few different ways to approach that problem. Because it might be that the answer is it's a bit of all of us that need to put in something to make sure that we can solve this problem. Maybe it is a bit of a public-private partnership in, in lockstep with education, in lockstep with commerce, with business. You know, I think that we're, we're piloting this as, as an idea. We don't know if it'll end up being the perfect one that you can just replicate in every setting and it's gonna be the perfect answer because these are humans ultimately. Sure. Have you, though, developed maybe a few um, measurables or things you're looking for to let you know if you're on the right track? Or is yeah. it still very much just wait and see and let's get some individualized feedback from the participating companies? What, what does that look like? Constant feedback, yes. Constant feedback from the companies, from the fellowship participants themselves. So this is, Develop Carolina is a very new program that just right. kicked off in January for the pilot. Um, okay, so it's brand new. I mean, brand the timestamp, we're in you know, February of 22, yes. so this has been going on a whole brand, 30 days. Brand <laughs> new. However, you know, I think the ultimate kind of measurable piece of this is, will these fellows be in a better position to get jobs or will they get jobs at, at these companies that are participating at the end of the six months? And will the companies feel that taking someone in after this additional six months of, of support and mentorship, will those folks be better prepared than grabbing someone right as they're finishing up their college degree and pulling them in? And if, if the answer to that is yes, then what we have found is that removing a little bit of that burden from the companies themselves and sharing some of that burden a little bit with all of us may be part of the answer to to that question of who's, whose burden is it, whose responsibility is it. Right. So if someone's listening to this and they're on, say, that company side and they're hearing what you're talking about with regard to Develop Carolina and what hopefully yeah. a desired result is going to be for them in that company, how, how would that company get in contact with you? Like, how would they participate in this? Yeah, great question. One way is we've got some tech advisory committees mm -hmm. in, Charleston, Columbia, and Greenville, where our whole goal is just to listen. We are, we're a 501c3 nonprofit that kind of sits in the middle of education, of, of training, of commerce, of tech. And our whole mission is about developing this, this kind of demand-driven training. So that doesn't work if we're not listening to our, to our companies. So that, you know, um, participating in one of those advisory committees is a great way to get involved and learn about what we're doing. How would they find those doing. advisory committees? Just by reaching out to us. Okay. Yeah. So, just so going to your website. Going to buildcarolina.org. There you can find information about all three of our current programs. So we've got our code school, our full-time program. Companies can uh, provide scholarships for folks to go through the code school. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked a ton about the code school um, separately, but 
If you think about it in the context of this conversation, that model is one where the individual person takes on the burden of educating right. themselves so that they're hopefully opening up an opportunity for themselves. They're taking on that risk, they're taking on that burden, they're paying for it mm -hmm. in most cases. Sure. Companies that are really interested in getting involved there, and we have many in South Carolina who are doing this, can help provide scholarships to make that, you know, a little bit more of a possibility for more people to go and get that training, particularly if that person could then potentially help that company. Does that set up sort of a, um, and this might not be the exact word, but does that yeah. sort of set up like a guild system almost where if you've got a company who is is sort of putting in those scholarships, does that sort of give them um, dibs on, you know, at least having a, a choice among the people that are, that are receiving those scholarships for potential employment or, is it they're just kind of throwing money to the pot and the scholarships are dispersed yeah. sort of randomly? For our work, it can be either way. Okay. It really can be up to the company and what their goal is and what it is that they're trying to do. Mm. So we do have some companies that provide scholarships that are kind of doing it as a community good, mm. um, just doing it because they know it's a good thing to do, sure. particularly if they're really invested in in education and in making opportunity available to someone where maybe it wasn't before. Um, but there are other companies that do create, kind of set up a structure where they find someone who they're interested in hiring, they will pay to put them through code school um, if they agree to you know, work for them for a certain amount sure. of time. And I think both models work well, dependent upon the company and what they're looking for. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity here to really have some good conversation about, again, like if you are a company that has a talent need, how can some of these like non-traditional ways of giving back, ways of opening up your doors and getting involved in kind of the whole process mm -hmm. of the pipeline of talent into your company? Um, you know, there are a lot of ways to do that. And I think we're, we're able to be nimble and agile and come up with solutions that work really specifically for each company. Well, kind of as we wrap up, I'm I'm curious, you know, because you know one of your, one of these programs developed is is so new. Yes. Um, SC Codes has been around, and, and the Code School has has been there for a while. And you guys yeah. have had a, a number of cohorts graduate and, yes. and gain employment. I think you were telling me that, you know, that a lot of times the learners are in a three month program, and then within three months of completion of the program, they're they're full time employed in in the industry, and that's yes. a Great track record, especially, you know, today's world of work. You know, sometimes yes. you, there are lots of skilled people that are not quite matched career-wise with where they would prefer to be. But, um, you know, if I could get you to speculate or dream a little bit, you know, in five or 10 years, I mean, what do you hope is happening in and among these, these programs and, and, and even our state and maybe beyond? The longer I'm in this work, the more I'm able to step back a little bit and see this bigger picture of um, of our ecosystem, to use that term, to think about it as this living, breathing, um, mm -hmm. ever-changing path that people take um, to get into these companies, these jobs. And so, you know, years down the line, my hope is that it won't matter, like, where you grew up or what kind of school you went to or... Um, who you knew or what your parents did, it won't, none of that will matter to um, someone's kind of ability to have access to 
understanding that there are so many opportunities available to them, even in these really high-tech kinds of jobs, even in South Carolina, that you know you don't have to move to California, you don't have to pay a ton of money to learn how to code and to learn about the you know opportunities that are that are available out there. I want South Carolina to come up with a blueprint for how to do that. I think that many other states and cities and regions have tried and ultimately have not been able to come up with that framework. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes for reasons that I don't understand, you know, that are about power and who owns what and whose responsibility is this and whose burden is this, when ultimately, you know, we want to see where the national publications are here talking about how great South Carolina is because it's beautiful, because there's so much opportunity here, it's a great place to live, and because we have figured out ways to um, create a bit more equity among all of the people across the state. If they're interested in learning, they have that drive that they can do it no matter who they are. Yeah, that does sound great. I think um, from my perspective, even if you got halfway to what you're describing, yes. um, that that would be a, a marked change from I think you know where where we are today. But it's yeah. it's great to see and to hear that there are people like you and the people that you're working with there at Build Carolina who um, you've sort of made this your mission. You know, you you've signed up for it on purpose, so to speak. And it's not only your livelihood, but it's it's something that that has become important at a, at a larger than a paycheck right. level. And so I think it's always great for people to hear that. And, and I hope that even if someone's listening to this, that, okay, they, they, they would say, well, I'm not a company, I'm just a person, but, I, yeah. but I'm thinking about some of these things that they would go to the website at buildcarolina.org and look at these programs that are there. Because I think one of the words you said earlier, and we didn't focus on it, but you said the word free. In other words, like free, a lot of these, some of these programs are free of charge. In other yes. words, there's no financial cost to a, a learner or someone who wants to explore these things. Right. Um, it is gonna cost them their time and, and their interest in another direction. But um, I mean, you've already removed a barrier that is often cited by yes. people, you know, in terms in terms of a cost. And I think that just circles back around to the nonprofit nature of what you guys are doing. Right. Is that, you know, you are reliant on you know, the scholarships and donations and other things. And that's another way, I guess, that people can get involved is, is through financial support and, and things like that. Well, Leah, thanks for coming down and sitting down and, and for an episode of this. Uh, I think this is going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much for having me.